Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Welcome, welcome, guys. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Mental Health Check-In with Leek. Today, I have a special guest with me, Amarette Presley. Let me tell you, guys, she is amazing. She um, we did, I, she was part of a program that me and my friend Nettie um, put together, and her story and testimony is amazing. Welcome, Amarette. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being saying yes, you know, thank you for being open to talk about mental health. Thank you for coming tonight. Absolutely. Yes. So my first question for you, I love to ask this question every time I come, every time somebody comes on a podcast, I ask this question and I'm going to ask you, how is your mental health? My mental health is very good. Now I, I say that now, but if you had asked me this a couple years ago, I would have honestly had to say it was uncertain but um now i i'm i'm very i'm very good that's good um i like to ask that question because a lot of people i say this all the time so i feel like a day recorder but you know a lot of people could be struggling um mentally but be okay you know and you know in the outside they could be okay and everything but like, hey how you doing and i feel like we should ask that question more often to people you know hey how's your mental you know how you doing um right. one day one day I was at the drive through this uh, McDonald's and the guy was just looking and staring at me. And I was like, you know, instead of thinking something different, let me ask one question. I said, hey, how you doing? He said, I'm doing good. How's your mental health? He said, not good. You know, wow. I get resources. Like, you know, there's resources out here that, you know, Google is your best friend. I tell you guys, Google is your best friend. There are free support groups. There are people that's probably offering, trying to help you get free therapy, you know? You know, just got to do your research. Right. Um. My next question for you, growing up, was it okay not to be okay for you? No. So for me, growing up, you you just, you had to be okay. No matter what I was going through physically, mentally, or emotionally, on the outside, I was okay. And nobody knew that I was not okay. And that wasn't something that I was willing to share for fear that, People would look at me different if I said I'm not okay. Yeah. So I, I just felt like even though I was not okay on the outside, everybody on the outside looking in thought, wow, she she's a strong girl, not knowing what I was dealing with. Yes. Um same thing with me. I feel like it was growing up, it was not okay to be okay. My grandma was a strong woman, you know, single mother of five. And I just never seen her cry or nothing like this. I just feel like I had to be like that. Don't show no emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, I see sweat. And, you know, because she was good at that, you know, I feel like she probably did it on her long time. But, you know, I never, I never seen it, you know. Right. Um, um, can you tell the viewers, like, what's, so I'm just tell the viewers, um, I had, um, and we're at, on a program, it was Sexual Abuse Awareness Survivor Month. I think I'm saying it right, wrong, but it was um, a good program. Um, everybody's stories was amazing, but can we get into your story surrounding um, 
sexual abuse. Can you let the viewers know? Absolutely. So my story, um, it started first, my, my mother was um, an identical twin yes. and my father murdered her at the age of 19. My mom was 19 when my father murdered her. And my brother and I were raised by my mom's identical twin. And her being a, a single mother at 19 years old with a ready-made family, she had a one-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, she was still working, you know, full-time. So she needed some help. So we moved in with my grandfather and my uncle. And I can remember back to the age of five where my grandfather, <clears throat> I say sexually assaulted me, but when you learn the terms, once you've been penetrated, it's rape. So yeah. my grandfather raped me every day for five years from the time I was five to the time I was 10. Um, and I can remember it as if it was yesterday. And it was just a horrible experience to know that a grown man is, you know, penetrating a five-year-old. I yeah. looked at my children when they were younger and I, I just, you know, couldn't fathom an adult male penetrating my five-year-old daughter. And it was, it was just a horrific time for me because my aunt who caught her father um, raping me on multiple occasions yeah. um, would always blame me and said it was my fault. And I used to believe that it was my fault until I got older and realized I had nothing to do with the choices that he made. I yeah. did not feel guilty anymore that this happened to me because this was a, a, a decision that this grown man made that he was going to molest, um, yeah. rape his granddaughter. And, um, you know, I, and I think the only reason he stopped was because as I got older, I could push him away. I could, you know, run. I could, you know, make sure that I was always around someone else because yeah. he would never do anything if someone else was there. So I tried to stay out of his, you know, view, out of his presence as often as I could. Yeah. Because I knew the moment he got me al alone, I knew what was going to happen. Wow. Wow. Thank you for, um, shit, that's a lot. You know, I heard, I, I, guys, I heard the story before, but every time I hear it, like every time I hear a survivor story, again, it's just like so good. It's like, you know, a lot of us suffer in silence, and I thank you for, you know, you know, spreading your story, you know, having joy by spreading your story, you know, being an inspiration to somebody out there that may have went through something similar to you, or just yeah. sexual abuse, you know, I, I commend you. It takes a lot to just, you know, you know me, I know it too, it takes a lot to just tell your story and relive stuff and say what yeah. happened. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, so. it was, it, I think, and uh, growing up, I was angry I was bitter and I was like I felt like I had a right to be angry and I had a right to be bitter and no one should say anything to me about being angry or bitter um yeah. but 
again, growing up, I would always ask, how come the people, the adults that were around me didn't protect me? Why didn't they protect me? Why didn't they do something? But as I got older, I started to reflect and I said, you know, I, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that my grandfather used to molest my aunt. And I don't think that she was at a place where she was thinking I need to protect her. I think she was just, I'm glad it's not me anymore. Wow. So I had to learn to forgive her for not protecting me because I thought about it. And I was like, somebody must've did this to her. You know, maybe her father did this to her and nobody protected her. And that horrible cycle just continued. And I had to, you know, go back and say, man, I, I forgive you for not protecting me. Yeah. I, that's crazy that you're saying that because I, as I look back on my life, I'm just like, maybe some people I just did never forgave because I feel like, you know, I was close to this one, close to this one, but nobody protected me. Nobody made me feel comfortable enough to say, hey, if somebody touches you, tell me I'm going to believe you, you know, never mind. Right. You know, they give the stranger danger. They say, don't talk to strangers, blah, 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 you know, but nobody ever gave that talk. And I feel like that's important in today's society now to talk to your children, let them know where people shouldn't touch you, you know, or if they do touch you that you're going to believe them. Because, you know, some people that do believe them, you know, some parents do, some right. parents don't. And it's, it's sad, like when they do, when they don't believe it's sad. Like when I told, right. As a, a, when I was like 21, I told people that I was sexually abused by two of my cousins, male cousins. And my dad was like, you know, he's lying. He would have told my mom, mind you, my grandma raised me. And I didn't tell her either. You know, my therapist was saying I was protecting everybody else besides me by not telling yeah. what happened. Yeah, yeah. And, and it is hard because, you know, you want to, to reach out and tell people, but when they tell you you're a liar, yes. it's like... Why, why wouldn't you believe me? Why, why would I make this up? Like, there's a lot of things a kid might make up, but making up the fact that somebody's touching you in an inappropriate way, why would I make that up? And I vowed, because I had three children, and yeah. I vowed that if my kids ever came to me and told me anything like that, the first thing I would never do is never tell them they're a liar. Yeah. And, you know, I remember even when I had my daughter, my daughter was about three or four years old and I went to go visit my aunt and my grandfather was still alive, but he had a stroke at that point yeah. and he was paralyzed on one side. But whenever he was about to rape me, he would say, hey, girl. And whenever I heard, hey, girl, it would take me back to that moment. And my daughter happened to run by him and he said, hey girl. And I just turned around real quick and I was like, I went to him and I said, who is that? And he said, it's Amaret. And I said, no, I'm Amaret. That's Antoinette. And he said, well, anyway, let her sit on my lap. And I was wow. like, no, no. So even though he had had a stroke, he still remembered and still made an attempt to try to fondle my daughter. And I was like, not going to happen. Not on my watch. And, you know, I had to explain to my daughter at four years old why she was not allowed to kiss her great grandfather. 
you know, because it's, you know, customary, you go in somebody's house, you give them a hug, you give them a kiss, whatever. But yeah. I had to explain to her at four why she couldn't do that, not to him. And that was hard because she's just thinking, you know, he's my great grandfather. He loves me. I want to give him a hug. But in his mind, he saw the four and five year old Amaret that he wow. got away with raping. And it, you know, I had to relive that with my daughter, but I told her and my sons, you know, cause people think you only have to protect your daughter. You have to protect your daughter and your sons. And, you know, I made it very clear to my kids that that generational curse being passed down generation to generation that everybody's just going to be molested. No, it stops here with me. And I will do anything and everything in my power to protect you. And like yeah. I said before, the very first thing I told them is if you ever came to me and told me something like that, don't ever be afraid because usually the molester will say, if you tell anybody, I'm going to tell them you're lying. Yes. Yes. You know, and so I made it clear to my kids that if you come to me, I promise you, I will believe you. I love that you did that. Like, I love that. I feel like parents now take heed, you know, make sure you talk to your kids. That yes. is important. Make sure you let them know that you will believe them. Don't not never try to believe, never not believe your child because that can oh i listen that can mess up a child's life if you don't believe them you know they trust yeah. you and love you the most and the person they trust and love the most doesn't believe them that can hurt you know? right and like you said something um about they they have this stranger danger you know and we're all teaching our kids to look out for you know strangers people that you don't know that want to you know, pick you up or offer you candy or ice cream if you go with them. But it's not only just the stranger danger. It's sad that this day and age, we have to look out for the very family members that yes. we have, you know? So it's not just stranger danger. It's, I mean, when I had my kids, I, have, uh, I had a son first, then my daughter, and then another son. And yeah. because of what I went through, I wouldn't let nobody, they were like, oh, just bring me your kids. I'll watch them so you can go to work. No, I'm good. I'll call out because I didn't trust anyone because if my grandfather could do that to me, you're a cousin, what might you do? And and not that they showed any signs or anything, but I just did not want to take a chance that I was putting my child in a dangerous situation. Yeah, um, I get that. Um, my next question for you. Um, before we get to the next question, I want to say anybody out there that's struggling with um, um, suicidal thoughts, you know, there is a suicide prevention lifeline. It's um, the new number actually is 988. All you have to dial is 988 to even be connected with somebody, you know, anybody that's struggling with any suicidal thoughts, or you know, you just call them, you know, even bored depressed anything they will answer and talk to you um and also you can check out rain.com.com or.org i believe um it's for sexual assault survivors and everything you should definitely check that out um and also check out you know it's different books a book that i read and echoes um echoes is by robert h marshall cool survivors group is a book of all men 
just talk about their sexual abuse experiences, everything, you know, check out, you know, anywhere online. Um, so my next question for you, you know, talking about um, sexual abuse, has sexual abuse ever made you think of suicide? Not so much to where I I thought I should take my life. Now, I did think about what what I could do or how I could play a role and take it out my um abuser yeah um you know so it wasn't so much that I was thinking about killing myself but I did have those thoughts of everyone who didn't protect me everyone that I told this was going on that they didn't believe me I just hope you just die you know and and it was hard for me because it was like I just I just couldn't understand why this would happen to me and for so long and I just figured if everybody that knew and everybody that was aware that I was being uh, raped um if they all just died it would just be better yeah you know yeah, um, I, I, I get, I get it. I, I, I get what you're saying. You know, um, I get that. You know, that is a violent feeling. Um, people know I have thoughts of suicide, trying to attempt suicide. You know, still to this day, it crosses my mind, guys. But you know, um, just make sure you reach out to somebody. You know, suicide prevention hotline. You know, a friend. And make sure it's somebody that you trust that's not going to judge you. That's going to sit with you through what you're going through and just help and bring you help help bring you out of it you know you don't want nobody that's gonna say man get to get it together and stuff like that you need somebody that's gonna like really talk to you that understands mental health that right. understand you know what's going on not not understand exactly what's going on but understand that you need a shoulder to cry on that you need to like cry to just a hug or something like that you know make sure you guys and 988 is the number to call if anybody that's listening that you know, feel triggered or just any thoughts of suicide or know any friends, just make sure um, you call 980. Um, my next question for you is, let's talk about stigma. Stigma is stigma surrounding sexual abuse survivors. What can mm-hmm. you say to stigma today? You know, people feel like we should have said something back in the day. Some people feel like we're lying. Some people feel like, you know, we should be okay. Some people feel like, uh, let me say another thing that people feel like, you know, I've been sexually abused, Emirates been sexually abused, right? Mm-hmm. Our stories are different. We heal differently. People think that just because, say if Emirates healed before me, they think I should be healing just like her. You know, what do you say the stigma right. towards that? Well, everybody's different. Everybody's trauma is different. Um, you know, some people, I, I don't want to say are stronger than others because it's it's not a fact of me being stronger than you or you being stronger than me it's just everybody is affected differently um i know for me i dwelt on it for a long time i mean even when the fact that my father killed my mother i dealt with that for years i didn't like her when her birthday would come around i didn't like to celebrate mother's day all that stuff affected me, but 
you know, people, they, they look at p- sexual assault survivors and it, it's funny that you bring it up because the moment I did the um, sexual assault with Nettie Long, when she interviewed me, prior to me doing the, the live video, um, we posted it and we advertised that, you know, it was going to be done on a certain day. And I started getting all kinds of messages from my family that, um, well, who took your choice away? And so I told them, you know, my grandfather, and they were like, oh, you're a liar. You're this. How come you didn't say anything before? And I said, first of all, listen, you weren't even born. I said, and uh, just because you don't know about it or just because you didn't experience the same relationship with your grandfather that I did doesn't mean it's not real. And people always want to justify what somebody else should do. They always tell you what they feel as though you should have done. Well, if I were you, I would have said it X, Y, and Z, or I would have told this, or I would have did that. But you're not in the situation that I was in. So, you know, you always tell people when you walk a mile in my shoes and if you wear a size 11 and I I always do a visual like I need real, um, real scenarios. Now, I wear eight and a half shoe. And if (laughs) you wore an 11 and you had to literally walk a mile in an eight and a half. It's different for you. You're not going to have that same outcome or or that same thought process that I should have done this. I should have done that. People don't know what other people go through. They don't know what things still trigger some people today. You know, thankfully, and, and only God could do this for me, which was allow me to heal totally. So. I know there's people that have been um, sexually uh, assaulted and, you know, years and years and years ago, and they still today have trouble facing it, or they still, you know, are days where they're, they don't have a good day. So because I'm free from mine, am I supposed to say to them, oh, well, you need to get over it. It's been X, you know, 25 years. You should be over that by now. Everybody heals differently. Everybody is not the same. And I don't care what, how similar the situation looks. It could be, you know, almost to a T exactly the same situation, but everybody heals differently. And people need to be mindful of that before they start passing judgment. That's so true. I like, I, I, it's, you know, it's crazy that you talk and listen to you. The thing that stuck out to me, everybody heals differently. And mm, that could be on a t-shirt or something. People need yeah. to know that. They need to get that and know that, put that in their brain. Everybody heals differently. Just because, you know, somebody's in a point of life with their healing journey doesn't mean that person needs to be in that part of life, you know? Everybody right. heals differently. And Red said it to you guys, everybody heals differently. Remember that. Never judge someone healing or somebody else's healing. Never did it. Um, right. 
my next question for you is um my next question for you is um being sexually abused like how bad did that affect your mental health it affected me to the point where i've been married for 18 years now i'm 50 this happened 45 years ago it started 45 years ago and lasted for five years but 18 years ago I got married and prior to being married I had three children I had three children out of wedlock and I never understood or I never knew what being loved the proper way was like so I, you know, I told my husband, I said, I, before we got married, I said, I need you to know this before we get married, um, being intimate, it means absolutely nothing to me. If I never have to be intimate again, it will be fine by me. But as your wife, I'm going to do and play the role that I'm supposed to play, but I need you to know that it means nothing to me. So I went on ahead and I explained to him why it didn't mean anything to me. Yeah. And I even had him and my kid's father, they actually talked. And he told him, he was like, yeah, Emirate was never, you know, never really excited. It was just like, to put it plainly, do what you gotta do and just let me know when you're done. Yeah. And, you know, and I had three kids. And so, you know, from there, but when my husband and I got married and the first night that we were intimate, I just cried and I cried and I cried because mentally it was a completely different experience for me. And I was like, this is what it's supposed to be like. I never knew that. And I got married at 31. Yeah. And I was like, I never knew that this is what it was supposed to be like. So mentally, I, I carried a lot of hurt. I carried a lot of my, um, what my opinion of being intimate was. And it was just, wow, all these years, I thought of it as this way, but now I'm experiencing it. And in another way yeah. that, you know, it's like, wow, all those years of thinking, you know, the, the way my mental was just all broken up is like the pieces are finally coming together now. Yeah. So that, that was, you know, it was, it was a journey. It, I mean, even to the point where my husband would say to me, there was nights where I would get in the bed and I would tuck myself under the covers, like really tight. Yeah. And he said he saw me and it was like he was coming over to hug me. And I just really like I tensed up and I sat straight up and I looked at him and I said, what are you trying to do? And he was like, Emma, I just wanted to hug you. Are you OK? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. But the fact that he was getting closer to me. And yeah. I was like going to sleep. It was like, it took me right back to um, when my grandfather used to hold me down and do what he was going to do. And so my husband was like, you know, I, I, I'm not going to hurt you. I would never do anything without your consent. 
And it was just like, it, it affected him to see me, you know, respond to him that way. Wow, that's, this is real, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I, I feel you. I, I have, it's days where I have triggered certain stuff that I didn't even know trigger me. I think about what happened to me, not just like sexually abused, but just like childhood, like stuff shows mm-hmm. up in our hood sometimes, you know, it shows up, guys, you know, it's triggering. You know, there's some stuff that I had to explain to my friends, you know, um, you know, I don't, like, I tell myself, all, I tell them all the time, I don't know if I'm able to receive love or, or if I'm lovable. I say, you know, they just took, you know, so much away from me. And um, thank you for sharing it. Like, you, you sharing it is helping me realize some stuff in my own personal journey. Um it's not because it's like you get scared you get scared to love because it's like is this real and it 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 can be scary at times because you don't want to prepare yourself to you know love someone and then find out that it wasn't real that's that's a scary situation to be in yeah it definitely is. It def- uh, I just understand so much. Like, I love talking to um, other sexual abuse survivors because they get it, you know. Nobody understands it. I know you, you know, Natty or any of my friends, you know, they're going to understand it because, you we, you know, we all, we all been through different journeys, but we all been, you know, sexually abused. Right. Um, my next question for you is, um, how do you feel about therapy? So... When you say therapy, therapy can mean a number of things. And a lot of times people think therapy is laying on somebody's couch and being judged by an outsider. Therapy can be, you know, it, it can be so many different things. It can be whatever takes your mind to another place to heal, you know, to just take time to concentrate and and meditate on what I need to get through this day. You know, it's not just laying on the couch and talking to someone. Now, when I was 15, I went to see a therapist and my attitude was, I'm going to tell, and I I said this to the therapist, I don't know why I'm here. I'm being forced to come here. But I'm going to tell you exactly what you want to hear so that this can be done and over with. I'm not going to be honest with you because I know that you have to report back to my aunt. And if I'm honest with you and then you tell her what I said and how I feel, I know that that means when I get back home, there's either punishment, there's um, getting beat. there's going to be some kind of consequence if I tell you the truth. And I would never, I I would never tell them anything. I would never tell them how I felt. But when I got older and I said, I'm not keeping this a secret. I'm going to tell people how I feel. If people, you know, are genuinely wanting to talk about it, I'm going to be open and I'm going to be honest And if I can help somebody else by being honest and telling them, no, I'm not okay. Or, you know, when I wasn't okay. And, or, or if I can 
talk to someone and tell them, you know, yeah, this happened to you a long time ago and you're not fully healed. That's okay. There is no timeline that says you have to heal um, from a past experience in a certain amount of time. There's no expiration date of somebody's healing. Yes. There is no, there's no expiration date. You have to take as long as you need. However long it takes you to heal is how long it takes you. And again, some people, it takes years. Some people, it takes months. Some people are still today dealing with it. And when they get there, you just celebrate them. Don't tell them it took too long or you should have, you should have, you know, healed from this by now. Yes. Yes, I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. I wish I could do some show y'all some hearts. I love that. Um, I like to end this by asking you, you know, I like to end up like on this type of notes. What is next for you? What is going on with Emirates? What is next? So I am um just I'm open, I'm I'm doing a lot of research to see where I can help somebody else. Nice. What can I do um, to reach out to, to help someone else get to a place of feeling free, feeling free to discuss their sexual trauma, feeling free to um, be honest with themselves and be free from the guilt of what happened to them. You know, a lot of people, they, they still think it was my fault and it's, it was never your fault. Somebody made a decision to do what they did to you and you are not to take blame for that. You know, say that again for the people in the back, say that again. Yeah. You are not at fault for a decision that someone else made to do what they did to you. That is not your fault at all. It's not your responsibility to protect them either. Like, tell your story, be free, because what what you're doing by not speaking out is you're protecting them. Yes. They didn't think twice about protecting you, and they didn't think twice about how this was going to affect you throughout your life. So why should we protect them by not speaking and not telling our story? At all. They you didn't know? care about us, us at all. Exactly. Yeah. They didn't they care. Still, they got what they, they live in their life. They live in yes. their life while we still, you know, we we got we gotta be responsible for putting ourselves back together. We didn't even break ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. We have to yes. pick up the pieces. Ah. A puzzle that we didn't even break. Right. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's so crazy. Exactly. But, yes. Um, I want to thank you for coming on here tonight. Um, and just talking, telling your story, just talking about yourself. Like I really appreciate you. I love hearing other survivor stories. I love oh, it. thank you for having me. <laughs> yes. And um, um, and guys, just remember. Your story matters. Your life matters. You know, um, 
you don't have to rush to tell your story. You know, one day you will get there. When you get there, you are going to feel so much weight lifted off your shoulder. You know, the weight is going to be lifted off your shoulder, but you still have work to do. Like when I, you know, listen, when I forgave my cousins and stuff like that, I thought it would be over. I was like, oh no, I still got work to do because I had to try to heal myself, you know? Right. Yes. But thank you, Amaret, for coming on. Thank you so much. Again, thank you for having me.